0: let me invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at beginning in verse 10. We're going through verse 18 in our series, Bulletproof. And as you're turning there, Ephesians chapter 6, when you think about life, I don't know if you're like me. Some of you really have it together. you got it all figured out. you got life completely in order. But I feel like usually I'm always falling behind. I always feel like I'm trying to catch up. The more I try to do, the further behind I fall. And that could be uh, falling behind for you, physically, diet, exercise related stuff, it could be the housework, just all the stuff of life. Um, I was already feeling kind of behind with everything I've got going and a couple of weeks ago, Cindy and my daughter Sarah surprised me with a new puppy. Now, that just turned life upside down. Basically, if you never had a puppy in your house, imagine having a baby that doesn't wear a diaper. That's what it's like and that baby can move right at birth. I mean, this... Little puppies all over the place. So now we have three dogs because we're weird. Um, but thankfully, our biggest one, our old French Mastiff, uh, she's passed her expiration date. So we're counting on that happening sometime soon. Um, so sorry, just it's true. I mean, whatever. Uh, the dog's getting so old, it, the vet told us this week she's about to lose her eye. So I told Cindy, I'm really embracing this living in the mountains hillbilly thing. I'm going to be out on the front porch in a rocking chair holding a shotgun with a one-eyed dog. I mean, I'm basically a country song at this point. Uh, But then we have Cindy's little frou-frou dog. It's one of these doodle things. It's just an expensive mutt. Used to, you got them for free in the newspaper, but we had to pay money because we're dumb. But we have that dog. And now the most epic dog in all of creation I'll bring a picture another day, but it's my birthday gift that I got. It's an old English bulldog. She's so pretty. She's the cutest thing. All right. Oh, you just know what it looks like. It's so sweet. Her name is Gertrude. We call her Gertie. Pretty Gertie. So anyway, we have this dog. So now everything's just chaos. I mean, the dog needs attention all the time. You can't take your eyes off the dog. She's too young to be outside uh, without supervision. So it's just a whole thing. And my daughter drew the short straw. And she gets up at 3 a.m. to take the dog out in the middle of the night. I mean, it's just, it's messing life up. It's really crazy. Everything is upside down. But do you ever feel like in life you're just falling behind, you're falling back? For a lot of us today, spiritually, it's like that. All the stuff of life's happening, and we feel like we're not gaining ground spiritually. We feel like we're falling behind, falling back in our relationship with God. And the reason that happens, we discovered last week, is because we have an enemy. We have this evil one, Satan, who is out to destroy us, out to tear down our faith, out to disrupt your life. And we can make the mistake of looking at circumstances in the material, physical world and believing that this is what's around us, this is what's happening, this is it, when in reality, it is a spiritual backdrop of God... Uh, bringing to pass in our lives his will, but at the same time, Satan seeking to disrupt that, seeking to interrupt our relationship with him. Uh, so we have, as we discovered last week, this enemy who's out to destroy us, the devil and his demons, and he wants to pull you away from your relationship with God. These evil forces in the heavenly realms, Paul described it as, the, Satan is actively working to cause you and to cause our church to lose ground. So I want you to know that in your life, that Satan is actively trying to cause disruption and discord in your personal faith and among all of us as a congregation. The scripture talks about this as spiritual warfare, that again, as Paul framed it, we're struggling against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly Realms. So beyond what your human eye can see, through the spiritual lens, our spiritual vision, we see that there's this this backdrop of spiritual warfare happening, a battle to keep us from living our lives for the glory of God. Because there's one thing Satan hates in your life and in this church, and that's for us to give and bring glory to God, to point our lives, surrender ourselves to Him, to do work that glorifies, magnifies His name, In this world, because what Satan wants is to cause you to do things and live your life that he would receive glory. He wants what rightfully belongs to God. So I'd ask you today how are you doing in this battle? Is the devil winning the battle for your devotion? Maybe you feel like you're falling behind spiritually, you're backing up on your commitments, getting behind in your Bible reading, falling away from your convictions. Make no mistake about it, the devil's working schemes against you. He hates you. He hates First Baptist Church on the square. He wants both you and this church to be destroyed. Now that sounds frightening, but listen, there is no need to fear. Because as we read last week, if you were here, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, greater is he, God, greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. We have this supernatural power made available to us that we can go against the devil's schemes we can find ourselves victorious we can live this life that is victory we don't have to fall behind we can stand firm in our faith we can even gain ground as individuals and as a church as strong as those attacks may be against you as hard as that temptation seems to be to resist as difficult as life gets for you you are able to stand against the devil and his schemes that work against you. As a believer, you have the power of God inside of you. When you came to faith in Christ, when God inhabited you, took up residence in your life, that power, that same incredible omnipotence of God is now residing inside of you. If we were to turn back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, in Ephesians 1, 19, the beginning of this letter to the church of Ephesus, Paul wants us to know of God, he says, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength. We said last time, Satan is just almost immeasurably more powerful than you. He's not omnipotent. He doesn't have the power of God. But compared to you, he is much greater. In your strength, you cannot stand. But now, Paul would say to us, it, it's been reversed, though, because God in you, you have the immeasurable. You can't even imagine and fathom this omnipotent God, his power that is residing and at work in you. How mighty is this strength that God has? This power Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 is what raised Jesus from the dead. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. So this is the same power, raising Jesus from the dead, and also that brought you from death to life, that resurrected you from the dead unto eternal life in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 where it tells us we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but we've been made alive in Jesus Christ. So before you came to know Christ, you were dead. You were lost. You were separated from God. You had no power to transform yourself into eternal life. In that experience, you had no power in of yourself to gain heaven. You had no way to atone for your sins, to have a relationship with God, but in Christ, you have been made alive. So, therefore... There is no need for the child of God to fear the devil. It is God alone who has the power over life and death. His power has already been proven strong enough to save you from your sins. And with that being the case, Paul now tells us in chapter 6, verse 10, this immeasurable power, this power that raised Christ from the dead, the power that raised you to new life and gives you victory. Verse 10, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and His Vast strength. Paul's saying God's strength is your strength. His power is your power. In your power, you're never strong enough in your own strength to oppose Satan. But when you are strong in the Lord, even a little of his strength is sufficient to win any battle. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, you know, the passage, you see all the football players paint on their eye black. People champion this verse for their football team to win. It has nothing to do with that, of course. Um, so here we have Philippians chapter 4:13, in the proper context, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can stand against temptation. I can endure any trial that comes my way. Any circumstance in which Paul lives, the immediate context of Philippians 4:13, we can stand. It's not the amount of the strength we have that is important. it is the source of that strength you have available to you God's strength. For example, in Revelation chapter three, verse eight, there's a church named there by Jesus that was weak. They were not strong, they were struggling. And to that church in Philadelphia, Jesus said this, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. That was a church that was feeble. It was incapable of doing anything in its own strength. Satan was attacking them. Satan was persecuting them. And you would think the, the pressure would make them shrink back. You would understand that they ran away from the persecution. But they tapped into God's power and his strength. And Jesus promised, you will defeat your enemy. So much so, Jesus said that their attackers would come and fall at their feet in defeat. So here was a church weak, very little strength. But by the power of God, they were victorious. Today, my friend, we are in a fierce and terrible war. But we have no reason to be afraid if we are on the Lord's side. The Lord's strength and His power are greater than all. He possesses all power, all strength. So what does that mean for us? Two things I want to share today. Number one, God's power will help you overcome your struggles. Right now in your personal life, as you think about your struggles, the sins you're prone to commit, the distance you sense between you and God, the parts of your life that you've taken back from his lordship, that anger maybe that you have deep inside of you, the rebellion you're expressing, the lack of trust you exhibit in your life, that lukewarm devotion maybe that you offer to the Lord. Sometimes you can get the place of thinking, well, this is just how it is. This is just how I am. This is just the addiction I'm going to manage. This is just the the choice I'm going to always make. This is the the height of my faith. I'm just going to live this lukewarm faith existence. After all, you've been maybe living this half-hearted relationship with God for years. You've tried and only found defeat in your life. You've had sin that just seems to conquer you. You've not felt the fire of God in your life for perhaps even a decade. I want you to know today... God does not want you to live a crushed and defeated life. Now, the problem for many of us is that we're not committed to living in the power of God. We'd much rather do things the way we want to do them. We want to do what we enjoy, live life our way. But listen, we don't want to battle in life. We want to play through life. But if we're to experience the victory and the power of God brought to us in Christ, we have to take hold of the reality that the Christian life is a battleground and not a playground. And I think that's a wake-up call for a lot of us today because we want to have fulfillment in the things we desire. We want the pleasures of life. We want to do things our way, make our decisions of what we don't understand and we're not seeing because we're not looking with spiritual eyes, but rather earthly perspectives. The backdrop of that kind of living of just living your life your way and even sprinkling in a little bit of God is that you're choosing the evil schemes of the devil that exist in those spiritual realms. You're choosing to live a life apart from God and you don't even fully realize it. And Paul calls us to enter into the battleground and exit the playground. He tells us in the verses that follow, and we're gonna look at this in the weeks to come, but we need to suit up for battle. I tell you today, if you keep going through life, living for yourself, doing what you want to do, and never suiting up for war, you are going to continue to be easy prey for the devil. You're never going to have spiritual victory. You're never going to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. So, what do we do to have the victory? How do we take our stand today in God's strength? Well, we're going to unpack a lot of that in the next several weeks. But let me quote A.W. Tozer when he said this. The best way to keep the enemy out is to keep Christ in. The best way to keep the enemy out of your life is to keep Christ in it. In other words, temptation and attacks are going to come. But to conquer them and to have victory, you need to appropriate God's power in your life. You need the power of God at work in your life. The power is there. You just have to tap into it. You've got to use it as a resource in your life and stop depending on your own strength. The reason you can't overcome the addiction, the reason you succumb to the sin, the reason your personality traits continue to reside and don't reflect the fruit of the Spirit is because you're not tapping into the power of God. I think back to when I was in high school, we had two, uh, I guess young men at that time, students who uh, were drafted into the MLB. And I was a junior. These are seniors. They graduated. They were immediately drafted out of high school and they got signing bonuses for being drafted in. So, you know, it always plays out well when a 18 year old gets a check with a lot of zeros behind it, right? I mean, they always make wise decisions. Well, both of these guys went out and bought sports cars day one. And I remember we were all hanging out in a parking lot one night. I guess students still do that today. That's all we had to do. We hung out in a parking lot in Warner Robins on the weekend. So this guy comes up and he pulls up I mean this flashy red sports car and all of us our jaws just dropped and he's like yeah get in we'll go ride around so we're riding around this new sports car we're just all enamored and just I mean not only is he an MLB player now but he's got this fancy sports car and I'm sitting in the front seat I'm just talking to him about the car and I'm just like a silly little kid in a candy store I'm, I'm just blown away and he pulls over After he's been driving it really fast and going through all these turns, he pulls over and he says, hey, why don't you drive? I'm like, no way, you're not going to let me drive. He lets me drive. get in the driver's seat and I I stick shift, so I put it in first gear. I ease on the gas a little bit and slowly let off the clutch and we we just pull off and, you know, about 3,000 RPMs. I gently ease it into second You know, 3,000 RPMs or so, we move it to third, you know, we're kind of going like that. And this guy, Jason, he looks over, he said, man, why don't you drive the car? Like, what do you mean? He's like, like, really drive it. Like, just go for it. And I guess he thinks he's going to make millions. What does he care? It's just a little car. And I'm like, no way, you're kidding. He's like, no, floor it and just drive the car. And man, I slammed down that gas, drop it a gear. We're flying down the road. I mean, we're peeling through first gear, second gear, third gear. And it was this amazing experience of that sports car because I hit the gas pedal and appropriated the power. See, a lot of us today, we're just kind of muddling through life and we're not putting our foot to the pedal. We're not tapping into God's power and we're not experiencing the fullness of what God has for us, and we become easy prey for the devil and his his evil schemes because what we're trying to do is just go through life and kind of just do the motions of Christianity, and God wants us to go all in, to tap in and take our stand to his vast strength. The power of Christ is there for you, but you have to tap into it. Now, Paul knows exactly what he's talking about because like you... Paul had struggles, Paul had a lot of things of concern, he would pray, God, make this stuff go away, make these hardships dissipate in my life, and he was like you, he was praying like you might pray, that when you ask God to take away that addiction, God, take away that problem, take away that difficult circumstance, that pain you're going through in this season of your life. And Paul prayed in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in the midst of his struggle, when he felt like he was weak and incapable and he could not go forward, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, my power is perfected in weakness. And Paul says, because of that, I will gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power is may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It was in that weakness, in that struggle, where God's power was proven. Now look, we're all the same. We want to know God. Why don't you just take it away? I mean, get rid of this thing in my life, this season I'm going through. Make it all better, God. God has the power to do that, right? We go, God, why would you not change it? Just zap it and make it gone. What would happen? You wouldn't rely on his help. You wouldn't trust in his power. You would never tap into his strength. But when you rely on the Lord and trust in His power, you can win spiritual battles against the demonic enemy. There's a hymn some of you grew up singing. It's called, Be Strong in the Lord. Some great words to this hymn. Listen to it. Be strong in the Lord and be of good courage. Your mighty defender is always the same. Mount up with wings as the eagle ascending. Victory is sure when you call on His name. So put on the armor the Lord has provided, and place your defense in his unfailing care. Trust him, for he will be with you in battle, lighting your path to avoid every snare. Be strong in the Lord and be of good courage. Your mighty commander will vanquish the foe. Fear not the battle, for the victory is always his. He will protect you wherever you go. Be strong in the Lord and be of good courage, for he is your guide. Be strong in the Lord and rejoice, for the victory is yours. So today, when you just think, God, why don't you just take it away? God, why don't you just make that temptation not a thing in my life? Why don't you just make all that hurt I have in those family relationships just resolve itself? Whatever the thing that's weighing you down. And God tells you, like Paul, my grace is going to be sufficient in your time of need. My power is going to be made perfect in your weakness. I think about that even when I'm preaching up here. This is a small example because it's no, no burden, but I'm introverted. I'm a nervous wreck when I get up to preach. Every time I'm preaching, I'm like you. I'm looking at the clock. When is this going to be done? Because I need to get off this stage, okay? And Cindy will tell you the rest of the day, I'm just, boom, I'm wiped out. It, just, it drains everything out of me. And it's a weakness for me. It, it, it's a trigger of anxiety for me to get in front of people. It's the weirdest thing. But why do I do it? What, how is it possible? Because of God's power made perfect in my weakness. And in your weakness, God's power will show up and get you through and give you the victory. As that song says, the victory is sure, it is His. So today, be encouraged that you can take your stand in God's power now this power and is not just for you but for all of us together now we like to read the Bible and think about how it helps us in our personal life and a few tips on how we can experience a relationship with God or get through our problems and struggles and all that but Paul has a lot bigger picture in mind Paul loved the church and Ephesians is a letter Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus so he wants our church to know this number two God's power will lead our church to great accomplishment. Just like you individually, we as a church collectively are at war against the devil. He wants to stop our gospel influence. He wants to distract us from that mission of uniting together to know Jesus and bring hope to our community. That's, he wants to stop that from happening. He wants us to be busy with programs, lost in the calendar of events being ineffective never having any kingdom impact now look we know the past few years have been tough for most every church and also for our church i mean we had a pandemic shut down everything every church is trying to climb back out of shutting down for all those months Uh, you went through a time of a pastor leaving We're in between pastors now, and it's a a difficult time. During the past months, year or two, there have been some real lows, right? We've hit some low points, and we praise God that we're moving forward. We're chasing after what he's calling us to do. But in all that experience, it can be easy for us to believe that, man, the future is going to be hard for our church in the midst of a Culture that no longer values Christian faith, that's no longer something to leverage in your professional life, that you're a member of a church, all that cultural dynamic of Christian faith has gone away. And we try to focus ourselves on what the Lord's calling us to do, but we have all that fatigue from what's behind us, and it gets very difficult. But in light of God's power and strength, let's be challenged. Let us be men And women of faith, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, again, our struggle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against pandemics and transitions and schedules and attendance and all that stuff, but it's against the rulers and authorities and against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So let us not be defeated by the rulers, by the authorities, by these forces at work. What is Paul saying to us? He's saying the devil wants to destroy us. He wants us to feel like there's no hope for the future. He wants us to lose heart. We are in a war, a fierce and terrible war, but we have no reason to be afraid if we are on the Lord's side. So here's the deal. The church's battle is already won. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, what we can do is get under the umbrella of God's protection, His victory, working His strength, or we can choose to be outside of it. We can choose to be over here and think, oh, it's so bad and we just can't make a difference and what about the past and there's no way we can do great things in the future and we can bemoan all that kind of stuff and we can get lazy in our faith and apathetic about faith or we can come over to the victory we have in Jesus Christ and know that nothing can stand against the work of God in his church and specifically right here at First Baptist on the Square. We can be excited about God's future because of His power appropriated to our work. So today, we need to be encouraged. We can take hold of it. We can claim it. We can dedicate our lives to the glory of God, doing the work of God, and we can reach new people with the gospel. We can have transformation in our midst. We can see baptismal waters stirred lives changed addictions broken people recommitting their lives to Christ complete eternity altering change if we will just believe and take hold of the power of God I hope you're like me today I believe with all my all my heart great things are ahead for First Baptist Church on the Square we don't know what God's going to do in the future we don't know all that's going to transpire But we've seen god working in the months past we know that we're moving into the august season the fall season school season people are coming back from vacation they're plugging back in and i believe today that if we will commit our hearts to the effort we can see this room overflowing we can be excited about a move of god that is so great That one day we tell our children about how God moved in our midst because we committed as a church family together and the power of God was appropriated to our work. And we start to see that transformation. That we do simple things like going out in the weeks to come and bringing people in reclaiming those who have fallen away, reaching out to the lost of our community and how incredible it would be if all of us in this vast army of people here today not to mention the service earlier would go out and reach people bring them into the fold of God to the point where we're talking about man we gotta start a third worship service we've gotta start a fourth worship service and more and more people are coming together and giving praise to our God which should be our passion To have more praise and glory and honor be attributed to our great and deserving God. But it takes all of us today to get out of that laziness that we experience, that apathy of faith and experiencing the mighty, wonder-working power of God in our lives and in our church. So we need to commit to that today. To see more lives changed and that to begin with our lives being changed. And it can happen. We have God's strength. We have his promises. Let's see what God can do with a church of people fully committed to him. I mean, come on, let's be honest. I bet every one of us today could say, yes, there's more I can do for the Lord. I can definitely draw closer to God and live better for him. Look what we have accomplished on half-hearted commitment. Imagine if today we were serious and fully devoted to the Lord's work. I think the world has yet to see such an experience where people are fully devoted, where his power is allowed to work and we fight back those evil forces in the heavenly realms And we see the tangible evidence of it on earth as lives are transformed, hearts are given to Christ, and the church of God prospers. Will there be challenges? Absolutely. Does Satan want to sow discord in our midst and disrupt all of that? Definitely. Will there be cultural pressures against us bringing that to pass? Definitely. The future can be really scary, but I love Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I'm sure most of you know it. Haven't I commanded you, God said to his people, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a great word for us, to not be afraid, to not shrink back, to not lose ground. Are you taking your stand today against the devil's schemes? Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you now praying and asking that you would convict us and change us, help us to take our stand, help us to know the incredible power of you working in our lives. And Lord, it's possible your power is present. We can take our stand. We no longer have to succumb to the temptations of the devil. Father, instead, we can rise up in devotion, dedication, uniting together to bring you glory, Father. So, Lord, we pray that would come to pass. We take hold of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, to be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. So, Lord, convict us and challenge us now as we commit ourselves to you. In these next few moments, we're going to reflect and commit and ask our instrumentalists to come and play. I believe uh, they'll be prepared to come and play for just a moment. As we bow in a season of prayer, I want us to make commitment in our hearts to God, asking God to work in your life and the life of this church. And I am going to ask if you will to those who are willing to come forward and to kneel and to pray for our church, make commitment to God in this public way. we express visibly to one another and to the Lord our faithfulness and commitment toward the sin. Certainly I want to ask our deacons and all others who want to, to come forward right now as we all stand in a spirit of prayer. Let's continue with our heads bowed. Let's make commitment to God right now. I'm gonna ask Brother Tom to stand here at the front. If you have a decision to make for Christ, he'll be here to receive you. If you need to be born again, if you need to join this church family, One of our pastors, Brother Tom, will be here to receive you. So you come right now as we all take the season of prayer and further commit our own hearts and our church to the Lord's work. Father, you hear the cries of your people as we commit ourselves to you. Thank you for your immeasurable power, power that raised Christ from the dead, power that brought salvation when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, power that we are now given to live for your glory. Help us now, Father, to go forth living out that victory, seeing your mighty hand in our midst, believing you for great things. And devoting ourselves to that end so father we look forward to rejoicing in all the good things we see that bring greater and further honor and glory to you thank you for this wonderful church for the victory you've given to us in the midst of any struggle help us now as we go forth in jesus name amen thank you so much you can be seated at this time